Well, good morning. It is good to be with you again to worship the Lord. We are here because the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. It's not just Easter morning that we celebrate that great truth, but we celebrate that certainly every Lord's Day and indeed every day of our lives. The Lord is risen and he is enthroned in heaven. Because of who he is and what he has done for us, he deserves to be praised. He deserves to be worshipped. Let's do that together this morning. Our call to worship comes to us from Psalm 34, 1 through 4. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Pray with me, please. Lord God, we do gather together here this day to worship you. You are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And we delight to give that which you deserve today. Lord, let us give to you our worship, our obedience, our very lives in humble gratitude for all that you have given to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life to and for us. Give us more kingdom life, Lord, we pray. Uh, give, us new, give us more newness of life, Lord, we pray. Move in our hearts, Lord, to live our lives in a way that will honor you always. Do that this day. Do that every day, Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, we need the Lord to make his spirit to be great in us so that we would live in ways that would please him. Because if we're truthful, we must acknowledge that all too often we do not live in that way. We're reminded that God is a God who delights to receive sinners to himself. We're reminded of that in our call to worship, our call to confession and repentance from Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Are there any ways that you need to forsake, friends? I want to invite you to ponder that, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you now as we come before the Lord in a spirit of humility and repentance. And um, let's ask him to show us any wrong way that may be within us. And let's confess that as sin and let's repent of that. Let's do that now first, silently, individually.
And now let's confess our sins to the Lord together as God's redeemed people. Almighty God, you have shown us your covenant mercy in and through Jesus. He was given to us to redeem us from all of our sins and to set us free to serve you all of our days. But still too often, we have chosen to walk in the ways of the world rather than than to walk in your ways. Forgive us, O Lord. Remember the mercy that you promised to our fathers and to us. Grant us grace to trust in your promises and to live out of a sense of gratitude that leads us into obedience and thanksgiving and praise. We ask this in the name of our Redeemer, Jesus. Amen. And now, friends, hear again of the joy of the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from Ephesians 2 and Psalm 103. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion upon his children, so the Lord has compassion upon those who fear him. And he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. Pray with me again. Lord God, we thank you that you have complete knowledge of us. We do not need to seek to hide ourselves or hide our sin or our weakness from you. For you are keenly aware of those things. But still yet you love us. Still yet you determined to save us, to redeem us, to deliver us from from the wrath that we rightly deserve. We thank you that in love you predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters of the King. Thank you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for your eternal plan of salvation. And thank you, Jesus, for your commitment to the will of your Father, that there would be nothing that would keep you from from carrying out the work that was needed to redeem a people for him. We thank you, Father, that you have named us among the elect. That from before the foundation of the world, you set your saving intention upon us. And you caused us to see Jesus as being altogether beautiful. You remove remove the scales of our eyes, as it were. Delivered us from blindness so that we could see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continue to show yourself to us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Would you be magnified in and through our lives, we pray. 
Help us to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let us be like a light set high on a hill, shining for all to see. Jesus, you are the light of the world. But Lord, capture our hearts and our affections so that we would seek to reflect your glory, reflect your light to a watching, desperate world. Lord God, continue to keep our hearts united one to another during this time when we are separated from each other. And Lord, we pray that that you would deliver us from this, from this plague, from this pestilence, from this coronavirus. Restore us, restore your land, restore us to each other, restore us to yourself, Lord, we pray. Now we join together in the confession of faith, which is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Pray with me yet again. Lord, we ask you now to continue to instruct us. Lord, instruct us by your word and by your spirit. Lord, by your spirit, cause us to be teachable. Cause us to be teachable this day and every day, Lord, we pray. Speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. Well, I'd like to invite you to turn to Psalm 107 in your Bible, please. You know, about the the same time this week that I was considering what passage of Scripture I'd preach on today, I I was struck with an overwhelming sense of gratitude to the Lord over a couple couple matters of prayer that we've been praying for as a congregation over the course of these last several weeks where multiple people who are known to us as a congregation were were facing potentially life-threatening situations. And in each of those situations, praise the Lord. It seems that the Lord has determined to deliver those people from those life-threatening situations. And so I spent much of the middle part of this week thanking God and and praising Him for His kindness and, and for His love and His compassion for these people and for their families. And as I was in that time, I was reminded of Psalm 107 and especially of the central refrain that's that plays such a prominent role in this, in this psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. You know, we're, we're encouraged, we're commanded, actually, to give thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 even tells us that we're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But that's not always so easy for us to do, is it? 
It can be hard to give thanks to God in some circumstances, in some difficult circumstances. Maybe you've even found it hard to give thanks to the Lord in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic or or perhaps in some other area of challenge in, in your life. But it's God's good design and ideal for us that the redeemed of the Lord would be thankful. I think of passages like Colossians 3.12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. And then verse 15 of Colossians 3, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. We can be thankful as we remember God's redemptive activity in our lives and his loving kindness and his steadfast love for us, his people. I was reminded this week of a devotional on the topic of giving thanks that was written by the 17th and 18th century British preacher and author Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry, who, by the way, lost his wife to smallpox when she was just 25 years old and who had four children die in infancy. He knew what it was like to struggle with giving thanks in all things. But in this one devotional, Matthew Henry writes about how he was robbed one day And on that occasion, he wrote about how hard it was for him to be thankful about being robbed. But then the more he thought about it, he he came up with some things to be thankful for. And he wrote saying, I'm thankful that it was my money that was taken and not my life. I'm thankful that, that that which was taken was not much. I'm thankful that I've not been robbed before. But mostly, he said, I am thankful that I was robbed and that I was not the robber. Let's look now at the Lord's encouragement to us from Psalm 107 for us to give thanks to the Lord. And I'm just going to begin by reading just a few verses And then we'll move back and forth between looking at that psalm some more, looking at more verses, and then making some observations about those verses. But here now is verse 1 through 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those whom he has redeemed from trouble... And gathered from the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and the south. I remember hearing a sermon by Brian Chapel once, Brian Chapel, the former president of Covenant Seminary, and commenting upon this psalm, Brian made the observation about the significance of the first word of this psalm and the difference that it makes. And and what is that first word that he's talking about? Well, at least in the ESV and many other translations, it's that word, oh. Oh, 
Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And Brian talked about the difference that that one little word makes. Without it, we we simply have a command. You better give thanks to the Lord. Which sounds a bit maybe like like we might sound sometimes when we're frustrated with a child or or with a spouse who, who we might think isn't showing us enough appreciation. You should be thankful for, for all that I do for you. But with the inclusion of that one word, oh, we see that it's the psalmist heart response to the goodness of God. Brian called that word, oh, the gasp of goodness. It's the response of someone who's, who's personally tasted the goodness and the redemption of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And in the the verses that follow in the psalm, the psalmist is going to give us four pictures of how the Lord demonstrates His steadfast love for His people. And, and, And He's going to do that by speaking of four groups of people. Each of these, if you look at this passage, each of these begin with the word some. And he, he speaks of, of these people in verses 4 and 10 and 17 and 23. And as he introduces us to some people, um, as he introduces us to each of these groups, he's then going to tell us about how these people in their time of trouble called out to the Lord and how he delivered them in their time of distress. And as we look at the psalm, we'll, we'll see that we can give thanks to the Lord because He hears us. And we can give thanks to the Lord because He saves us. And we can give thanks to the Lord because He loves us with a steadfast love. In verse 4, the psalmist speaks of one of those times when, when the Lord heard and delivered His people from their distress. He talks about a time when his people wandered in the desert, having no city of their own in which to live. Now, this this might be referring to the wanderings of the people of God in the wilderness following the Exodus. Or or, or maybe, given what we read in verse 3 about the Lord gathering his people from the east and the west and the north and the south, maybe this might be referring to to a return from one of the times of exile in Babylon or Assyria. In verse 6 then, the the psalmist speaks of, of how during this time when the people were wandering without a home of their own, they cried out to the Lord and He delivered them. And that He led them by a straight way until they reached a city in which to dwell in. And in response to the Lord's gracious activity in their lives, we we see the proper response of the redeemed in verse 8. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love and for His wondrous works to the children of man. In verse 5, we're told that the people, as they wandered with no home of their own, were hungry and thirsty 
and their soul fainted within them. Here I think of Jesus who says to us, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never again thirst. Coming to Jesus and receiving the provision that He provides satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things, as the psalmist says in in verse 9. It's what the Lord says to His people in Isaiah 55. When He says, Come to Me, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me so that your soul may live. The people were wandering with no home of their own, and they cried out to the Lord, and he led them by a straight way, we read here. And we understand, of course, that Jesus is the way. That Jesus is that straight way for us. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. We read here about how the Lord led His people to a city of their own and that they, He gave them a, a rest from their wandering. And you know, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the ultimate rest that our souls long for. We're also told there that he's preparing a heavenly city in which we one day will live there with him for an eternity through our being united to him in faith. Let the redeemed of the Lord thank him for his steadfast love. In verse 10, the psalmist speaks of how God's people, because of their sin and their rebellion against the Lord, were imprisoned and afflicted. But even though they were unfaithful, still the Lord was faithful to them. And verse 13 tells us again that, that in their time of trouble, the people again cried out to the Lord. And he delivered them from their distress. In verse 14, he brought them out of darkness. And he brought them out of the shadow of death. He burst their bonds apart. Because of the Lord's steadfast love for his people, he brought them out of darkness. Here I'm reminded of how Jesus didn't just come close to the shadow of death, but how on the cross he actually entered into death itself. And how that that day at Calvary, darkness engulfed all of the land as Jesus hung there on the cross. You know, like the people in this portion of this psalm, Peter in Acts 12 and Paul and Silas in Acts 16 were were held in irons, held in prison. And the Lord delivered them just like He delivered these people in this psalm. But Jesus did not try nor desire to escape the hands of the sinful men who restrained Him. But 
Instead, he allowed himself to remain being held a prisoner by them so that you and I might be released from our imprisonment to sin and death. It's what we sing about when we sing, And Can It Be? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so those whom he has redeemed from trouble. In verse 17, the psalmist speaks of another group of people who were also experiencing distress because of their sinful ways. We're told that because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. And then in verse 19, they also then cried out to the Lord and he delivered them. Verse 20 God sent out his word and he healed them. Here we're reminded that Jesus is the eternal word of God made incarnate. And we remember also that he is the God who heals us. God's people are healed as they remember God's word as as we submit to that word as we repent of our sinful ways and as we walk in the ways of Jesus, our Redeemer and our Deliverer. Verse 22 tells us again of that proper response of faith to those who have been redeemed by the Lord. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. And tell of his deeds in song. The redeemed of the Lord are to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving to the one who gave himself to be a sacrifice for us. The one who gave his life to be a sacrifice for our sin. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. From verses 23 through 32, the psalmist tells us of yet another group of people whom the Lord delivered from their distress. And this group of people, they they don't seem to be in trouble because of of them sinning, but instead they simply find themselves in a dangerous and life-threatening situation. These people, were told in verse 23, went down to the sea to do business on the great waters. They're sailors and they're sea merchants. And while, while they were there out on the water, the psalmist says, they, they looked out upon the immense, vast openness of the sea, and there they saw the deeds of the Lord and His wondrous works we're told in verse 24. And then beginning in verse 25, we're, we're told that the seas began to grow rough as a mighty wind arose. And then in verse 26, he says that they mounted up as if 
to the heavens and then they went down to the depths. The waves lifting them ever higher and then ever lower. And then even these experienced sailors and and sea merchants, their courage, verse 26 says, melted away and they were at their wit's end. What would you do in such a situation? Well, these people did the most reasonable thing that there was to do in a situation like this. And what was that? They cried out to the Lord in their time of trouble, and he delivered them. Verse 29, he made the storm to be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed, and he brought them to their desired haven. And what does that remind you of? Well, of course, that reminds us of Jesus when he was in the boat with his disciples when the sea became rough for them. When his people cry out in the storm upon the rough seas, our God is able to hear their cries and to save them. Mark 4 and Luke 8, Jesus with the disciples in the boat, Jesus asleep at the stern of the boat. Because of of the wind, as the storm uh, uh, grows, the waves begin to break into the boat. And the disciples, many of them also experienced fishermen, like the people in our psalm, the disciples also begin to fear for their life. And just as these people in this psalm did in verse 28, the disciples cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Because our Lord is sovereign over the wind and the waves and all of nature and everything else. And because he is the God who saves his people when they cry out to him. Verse 30 says that after the Lord saved these people on the seas, then they were glad, and he brought them to their desired haven. Through the redemption that Jesus Christ brings, we are made to be glad because he's brought us to our desired haven, heaven itself, eternal life, lived in the presence of the God who hears us. And saves us. And what's the proper response to a God who is able to save like this? Verse 31 and 32. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people. Let them praise him in the assembly of the elders. And there we see the importance and the role of gathered public worship. It's important for us to gather together as God's people to extol the virtues of the Lord and His saving work in each of our lives to one another. And won't it be wonderful for us to be able to do that again here soon? Oh Lord, Make that to be so. 
Our God is the God who hears us when we cry out in our times of trouble. He is the God who saves us, delivering us in our times of distress. And He is the God who loves us with His covenantal, steadfast love. The word that's translated here as steadfast love is the Hebrew word hesed. And you might recall that hesed refers to that special covenantal love with which the Lord loves His people. It's that word that he used at Mount Sinai when the Lord pledged himself to his people again, saying to Moses, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to a thousand generations. And because of all of those things, because of who he is and because of what he's done for us, his people, He helps us to see here that the proper response for those who have been redeemed by this God is for us to give thanks to him. We're to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. We're to extol him in the congregation and to praise him in the assembly. And notice here that we're not just to be thankful but instead we're to give thanks. We're not just to have a sense of gratitude or appreciation, but we're to do what? We're to declare His praises. We're to tell others about how, although there are times when we are faithless, He is ever faithful. The redeemed of the Lord say so, we're told here. We're to say so. We're to tell others about the mercy and the salvation that He offers. We're to tell others about how He's made us to be glad, as we're told in verse 30 of the psalm. We're to tell others about how He satisfies satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good things, as we're told in verse 9 here. And so, friends, I want to encourage you to consider how you might be able to do that this week. In the midst of your self-quarantine or perhaps at your workplace, how can you proclaim the glory of Christ? How can you encourage those who may or may not know the Lord in a saving way? How can you encourage and urge them to put their trust in Him and to call out to Him while He may be found? How might you be able to help those who who in these uncertain days might be tempted to give in to fear or despair or contempt? Tell them about this God who will hear them if they cry out. And who in Jesus has shown to them that, that he, deserves to, he desires to pour out mercy and to save people from their distress. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Please pray with me. Lord God, we say so. Oh God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we give thanks to you this day. We thank you, God, that you are ever faithful, even when we are not. We, we, we see that in the psalm about how, how we, we read about how your people, just like us, so often we, we turn from you, we rebel against you. But Lord, how we thank you of those words in Psalm 103, that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. But as a father has compassion upon his children, so you have compassion upon us. You remember that we are but dust. You remember our weakness. You know our weakness. And you save us in our time of need. And you overwhelm us. You are motivated by and you, and you lavish upon us your steadfast covenantal love. Lord God, we give thanks to you this day. Help us to give thanks to you each and every day in each and every situation, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we do that. We pray, we make this request to you through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one who has redeemed us. In his great name we pray. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, receive the Lord's benediction from 1 Peter 2. As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For you are a chosen race and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. God bless you all.